All the way from Bokota Village in Limpopo, South Africa, we bring you Missionary Minds, where you can learn about family, church history, biblical worldview issues, and of course, missions, all from the mind of a real-world missionary of almost 20 years. Buddy Paul, last time we were talking about Paul's Missions Manifesto, and we learned about a number of aspects regarding it, which you're going to cover, and I just want to pick off from where we left off, so please, over to you, Mfundisi. Okay, so we learned about how this is really one of the Mount Kilimanjaro's, Mount Everest's of missionary texts in all of Scripture. Yes, we have the Great Commission in Matthew 28. Yes, we have So Send I You in Isaiah 6. We have wonderful passages, for example, throughout the book of Acts which is a missions book. We have 1 Thessalonians 1, etc. So many great missionary texts. If I could go to one place, though, that seems to consolidate the majority of missiology, missions ideas, I'm going to go to Romans 15. Just to recap it a little bit, it would basically begin with verse 16. We could see that Paul's audience was the Gentile world. So in order for missions really to take place, you need to be sent. And we would define missions as cross-cultural evangelism. So you need to go. If we call everyone a missionary, and if we call telling our coworker, for example, missions, then it's going to distort what's really happening. It's like highlighting the whole page. So let's make sure that we make a distinction. And Paul says, all the way back in Romans 15 and verse 16, that he was going to the heathen, he was going to the pagans, he was going to the ethnos, he was was going to the Gentile world. And then we learned that what he was taking to the Gentile world was the gospel. It was the good news. Paul's main emphasis was not drilling wells, it was not social ministry, it was not doing miracles, it was not healing the sick, it was preaching the gospel. Woe unto me if I preach not the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He calls it the, the gospel of God that he was taking to them. And all of the attention throughout this was the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, solus Christus, one of the five solas. That was the emphasis. Missionaries, where do they need to go? They need to go to the world. They need to go to the Gentiles. They need to go to those places that don't know the gospel. And they need to preach the gospel, the good news, so that the Lord Jesus Christ is put on display. His name is made famous. And we, we talked about how the, the ammunition that he takes is, according to verse 18, the word. He says, I did this by word. That is, we have to preach the gospel. Uh, general revelation is not enough. It has to be special revelation. We have to go with the word of God, which is why one of the many, many reasons that Christianity sets itself apart from Islam Islam would say, if you really want to know what the Bible's, what, what their holy book says, what the Quran says, you have to speak it and read it in Arabic. Whereas Christians are always on the forefront of putting the Bible in as many languages and thousands of languages. Why? Because Christianity is a religion of a book. So Paul said, I came in word, but it wasn't only word. It was also indeed. So if you come in just word, but there's no deed, that's going to be hypocrisy. Paul came with ethos. He said, I lived among you. You could see my actions. So very important, I think, why missionaries 
need to be living with the people so that they could they could see the deeds of that person. He's he's speaking their language. That's word. He's living with them. That's deed. And we learned about the actuator of missions, which would be the Holy Spirit. And that takes us back to 1 Thessalonians 1, where Paul said, I came to you not only in word, but in power. That is, if we come with the word only, but there's no spiritual emphasis behind it the holy spirit is not breathing upon the preaching then it will fall flat and then we closed out last time in verse 19 where it says that paul's approach to all of this was to go from jerusalem and all around as far as illyricum where he said i have fully preached the gospel of christ i mean how could paul say that how could Paul say in an area of, let's say, 2,200 kilometers that he's fully preached the gospel in 15 years? And we learned from that that Paul's point is that he used a, he used a strategy. That is, he went to strategic villages, cities along the way. And if you can just imagine, here's a city, and then you draw a circle around that city, and this is effectively where that church could reach. And then he went to the next town and drew a circle around until all those circles were touching. It doesn't mean that he preached the gospel to every single person. It means, in our setting, for example, he goes to Tiani, and he starts a gospel-preaching, word-focused church, and there they are able to reach their community. Then he goes to the next place. In that sense, Paul could say that he fully preached the gospel. Thanks, brother. So you've spoken to us about the audience, the action, the attention, the ammunition, the actuator, and the approach of missions. And it's been an enjoyable journey. What is point number seven? So again, we could take this as we move along to verse 20. Let me just read it for you. In this way, I make it my ambition. So that's an important word, uh, a common word, especially in the West. We view that as very positive, although ambition can carry the idea of, of maybe selfish motives. This is someone who is, uh, someone who is ambitious, maybe has selfish reasons for doing what he wants to do. He wants to push up for it himself. But ambition here really emphasizes not selfish connotations it's seeking to do something that is holy paul used that word in first corinthians 5 9 when he said whether we are at home or away we make it our aim or our ambition well what was paul's ambition he said his ambition was to proclaim the gospel so that's what he wanted to do but it wasn't only preaching the gospel his ambition only was was, wasn't only to to tell people how to be saved it was to preach the gospel in a particular place not where Christ was already named, so that I would not build on another man's foundation. In other words, Paul didn't want to start churches where there already were good gospel preaching churches. I think that really is the mindset of missionaries, especially I could say pioneer missionaries. So people have said the things, to me like hey wouldn't you be excited if there was a a flood of missionaries who came to your village or came to your area and started planting churches well that's kind of a trick question in one sense 
Yes, we're always happy. We want more workers. We want to see many good churches planted. But there's another sense in which I would not be happy at all. In this sense, I would say I'm not needed here anymore. I don't want to go to easy places. I don't want to go where churches are. If I go to an area and there's good gospel preaching churches, then I'm not needed here. Let me go on to the next place. I think that was that was Paul's I, ambition. That was Paul's idea. He wanted to go where there was no foundation. Now, there are hundreds and thousands of stories like this throughout church history where missionaries focused on those kind of places where there was no foundation. Makes me think of John Calvin in the 1500s. We think of John Calvin as the preacher and as the pastor. Of course, he was in Geneva, but he also loved missions. There was a case where he sent missionaries to Brazil and they sailed a long distance. Some of them were pastors. Some of them were just Christian laymen. And it was a disaster. They get there. One of the men converts back to Catholicism. There's persecution. Some of the Christians are killed. And so, I don't know, about a dozen or so of them get back in the boat. And they plan to go back to Calvin, back to Geneva, back to Switzerland, back to France. And as it's sailing away, the men in the boat realize this is a place with no foundation. This is a a place with no gospel influence. They say, we're going back. They say, you can't go back. We are going back. In the end, they take down a little boat and four of the men go back to this area. They're captured, uh, interrogated, and they write out really the first confession, Protestant confession of faith there in Brazil. And within hours later, they're killed for their faith. That's the idea. The idea is, I want to go to a place where there is no foundation for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why Paul could say, I fully preach the gospel. That is, I went to a place, I built a foundation, it can reach a wider area, although I've not preached the gospel to everyone, now I'm going to go on to the next place. That's a, a very helpful way to understand Paul's ambition of missions. You mentioned there that as a missionary, um, you would think carefully about having a flood of missionaries. You wouldn't particularly want a flood of missionaries coming to the village here. Can you comment on having um, designated families or couples who go for church strengthening? Yes, absolutely. So I'm not opposed to team. I mean, if you're going to have a team, by definition, you're going to have other missionaries. So we have groups here. We have the Myers. They were here first. We joined them. They weren't opposed to that because they said, we need teammates to help us do our work. What could we do without the Katungas? This very podcast at this moment is being done because of those who are strengthening us. What would we do without Misebe School? That's Sesimiso. So we have lots of helpers and we love teammates and we, we like bringing in more people to help. However, if it gets to the point where we feel as though foundations are being built on top of each other, then we want to move on. We want to move to new places. And, and I would say, even to keep themselves sharp and fresh, I think missionaries should always be looking beyond. They should always be looking to the next place. I still pray for the Yao in, in Malawi. 
maybe the Lord will take us there one day. It's probably one of the least reached places in Southern Africa. It's in Brazil. Um, it's in Mozambique and in Malawi. And uh, we want to keep our eyes there and that maybe the Lord would take us to another place someday. Why? Because we're constantly looking for areas that does not have a foundation with the gospel because we want to preach Christ where he's not named. Okay, so that was the ambition of missions. Uh, What's the next one? Uh, Next, we could say in verse 21 is the assurance of missions. Perhaps we could call it that. Paul's going to make a quotation here. He's actually going to quote Isaiah 52, verse 15, and he says it this way, but as it is written. Now, I love that the verse starts with the word, but, because it seems as though there's a kind of contrast. It's almost as though there's some level of pessimism, maybe discouragement, even from verse 20. He says, I want to go where Christ isn't named. I want to know, go where there's no other foundation. And we look at that and say, really? How are they going to understand? How are they going to believe? How many stories are there in church history, Carney, of people who went off to distant lands and they said they're never going to believe and they'll never understand. And how many times have these missionaries gone to, to new places and they've given their whole lives, they've given decades and, and no one came to Christ. Why? Because they went to a place with no foundation and you sit back and say, really? Can this really happen? Will there be any success? Uh, Paul anticipates that. So he comes in verse 21 and says, but as, as it is written, in other words, I'm going to give you some assurance. I'm going to give you some hope, lest you think that there will be no success with this kind of ambitious enterprise. They who had no declaration of him shall see, and they who have not heard shall understand. This is astounding, because what Paul does is he goes all the way back to the book of Isaiah. And just before we get to Isaiah 53, which, by the way, is probably the greatest gospel justification substitutionary atonement passage in all of the Old Testament, Isaiah 53. Just before we get to Isaiah 53, he goes back to the verse just before it in Isaiah 52, verse 15. And here we have the story of the servant, capital S, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's beaten, he's marred. We can't even tell if he's a real man. And then we come to verse 15. Thus he will sprinkle many nations. That's not talking about Paedo-baptism, that's talking about the cleansing of sin. Kings shall, will shut their mouths on account of him. In other words, these great kings will now become speechless because of the Lord Jesus. For what had not been told them, they will see. And what they had not heard, they will understand. In other words, though it seems as though everything is going wrong, and though the Lord Jesus Christ is spit upon and beaten and tortured and killed, there will be success. The gospel will go out. Kings that scoff at the gospel, they will shut their mouth and they will come to Lord Jesus Christ. And from every tongue and tribe and nation, people will come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. When that will be, we don't know. So we faithfully preach the gospel. To me, when I look at that, I think, assurance. Yes. Yes, Paul, you're discouraged at time. Yes, Paul, uh, people have not come to the gospel as you would like. Yes, the fruit is not 
making the tree branches just hang over because it's so heavy. Yes, but here's the assurance. The Lord Jesus will save his people. And we find an example of that in a quotation in verse 21. So what you're saying there is you're not just going to flood into a place, open your mouth, and everyone is going to come pouring around you. But it's a confidence in God's word that he will accomplish this and when he so desires. Yes, and he might even he might even do it. In fact, I I may even say he often does it through persecution. He does it through pain. He does it in ways differently than we would expect, which we're going to see a beautiful example of this at the very end of this chapter, but I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> yes, but with getting ahead of yourself, let's get ahead a little bit more and move on to point number 9. Okay, which shows us that mission work is not all rainbows and sunshine. So we watch the videos, and and can this just be encouragement to those who are interested in missions, and you maybe have a romantic view of missions, and that's natural. We read the biographies, and we see the great things that they've done, and we saw the travels, and we see people coming to Christ, and we see societies changed. But any missionary will tell you, especially if they've been there for any amount of time, it is full of persecution and difficulties and trials. Sometimes even something as simple as just missing out. Much of missionary work is dying to self and giving up your ambitions of what you may desire over here so that you can reach those that don't have the gospel over there. Verse 22, For this reason, I have often been prevented from coming to you. I wanted to come to you. I desired to be with you, but I couldn't because I had something more important. And that was my calling to give the gospel to a place without a foundation. I think about my own life. I've I've missed 17 years of weddings. I've missed 17 years of funerals back home. And and though I I desire to be at the birthday parties and I desire to be with family, I desire to be with friends. I have a higher calling. And my higher calling is to give my life to share the gospel here among among the Tsonga speaking people. And so we need to understand that though this was uh, Paul's desire to be with them, he had to give it up. And we're going to have to give up things. And so I would even say to prepare yourself to be a missionary, give up things. Get in the habit of saying no to some of your desires. A great example of this would be Hudson Taylor. The things that he did before he went to China, he voluntarily gave up certain things, certain pleasures so that he could prepare himself. Actually, what he would say is, not only am I giving these things up to prepare myself, but I'm giving these things up purposefully and I'm going to pray and test and see if just by praying, the Lord can meet my needs. So already be preparing yourself for these type of things. There's adversity in missions. And one of them is just missing out. One of them is loneliness. One of them is Paul wanted to be there, but couldn't. It makes me think of, David Brainerd. David Brainerd is considered one of the great missionaries in church history. We read the journals, the diary of David Brainerd. 
But we don't read David Brainerd because of all the fruit that he had, not because of all the churches that he planted, not because of all of the languages that he translated the Bible into. Really, there wasn't that much fruit that you could see from his ministry. Really, what it was was his life. And when you read about his life and you read about the loneliness that he had, and then he wants to marry perhaps Jerusha, who was the daughter of Jonathan Edwards, and even there he was lonely and and he longed to be around other other Christians. And and I can understand that. I think a lot of missionaries can understand that there is a there is a level of loneliness on the field. You think about the Paytons, and of course, no internet. No Google, no WhatsApp, no social media. So they would sometimes walk along the, the seashore on the island and see if they could see anything in the horizon of, of maybe the sails of a ship coming. And they would wait months and sometimes even years before they would receive word. And then they would get the bundle of letters from the ship. And you hear about binge binging on netflix i mean they would binge on on letters and they would read 40 page handwritten letters from their family members and halfway through they would find out that let's say their their father died you know six months ago and then even know about i mean this was the life of of missions and i see i see at least a part of that in in verse 22 where he said he had been prevented from coming to you, but now, now he's ready to come to them, which, which, would, which would bring us to our next, our next point. And before we get to that next point, you've um, been talking to us about uh, the Apostle Paul's Missions Manifesto, and uh, I'll shamelessly plug Booty Paul's uh, missionary biography on John Payton. John Payton. No, yes. I just stood there. And not Patton. Not Patton. Yeah. Payton. <laughs> yes. Exactly. And I'd, I'd encourage you to get your hands on that. Uh, you'll be greatly encouraged. So we've looked at the ambition, the assurance, and the adversity. What's next? Okay. So it makes me think of the accomplishment, which would come at starting in verse 23. Really, one of, the, one of the purposes of a missionary is to work himself out of a job. He is not like... A pastor, per se, like John MacArthur, that we look at him and he's been at the same church for 50 years and we applaud that. We wouldn't necessarily applaud that for for a missionary. A missionary is always looking to get out of there. He wants to get out of Dodge. He wants to work himself out of a job. We see this in verse 23. But now, with no further place for me in these regions. In other words, I have nowhere else to go. I fully preach the gospel. I have planted churches that reflect the three selves. And so now, and since I have had for many years a longing to come to you whenever I go to Spain, for I hope passing through to see you and to be helped on my way there by you when I have first enjoyed your company for a while. So now I've worked myself out of a job. I've planted these churches. Now, on my way to Spain, we're not sure if he ever got to Spain. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't, but we have no actual record that he got to Spain. But on the way to Spain, he says, I want to see you in Rome. Now I have the opportunity. Now I'm freed. But he was only freed because of the accomplishment of missions. And the accomplishment of missions, the goal of the Great Commission is to plant churches, but not just churches. We would say 
indigenous churches, and historically this has been defined by the three selves, self-propagating, self-sustaining, and self-governing. Self-governing would be they have their own leadership. They're not being told what to do by an outside source. They have their own pastors, their own elders, their own bishops, etc. That's one office. Number two, self-propagating. That means they're able to do the evangelism. They're able to do the discipleship on their own. They know how to grow the church. And then finally, self-sustaining. That is, they're able to support themselves, similar to the church in Philippi. That The church in Philippi not only could support themselves, but they could also actually support the man that planted their church, which would be the Apostle Paul. When Paul planted churches like that, then he knew that it was time for him to move on. So the question might be, how does a missionary know when it's time to go on? And the answer is, in many cases, when the church has the three selves, then he can move on. Paul evidently had that so he could say, I have no further place in this region. Now I'm going to come and visit you. That would be the accomplishment. Okay, we've dealt with the accomplishment and number 11. Okay, that brings us to verse 25. Now I'm going to Jerusalem to serve the saints. So this is interesting. He's writing probably from Corinth, the, the, the letter to the Romans. And so he's actually going to have to go east to Jerusalem and he's going to have to drop off a gift. And then he says he's going to come to Rome. And this is very interesting to me because actually the gospel, in a sense, began in Jerusalem. I mean, that's where Paul went early on in his ministry. This is where there was a strong foundation of the gospel. And then out of there, it came to places like here in Rome. But now that church in Jerusalem is suffering terribly financially because of a famine. So the church in Rome felt a responsibility. The churches out in the area felt a responsibility to send money to them. And I think that's the right attitude. The accountability of missions is this, to whom much is given, much is required. This idea of so much hatred towards uh, the, the West or the missionaries of the past or colonialism and let's just hate on everyone who gave us the gospel in the past. There ought to be a kind of gratitude that we were in darkness. There was a day 100 or 200 years ago that we were walking off the cliff into hell and there was a group of devoted christians that came weren't perfect of course but they came with the gospel of the lord jesus christ and they brought us life they brought us life and light that's the idea here he says in verse 26 for macedonia and Achaia were pleased to share with the poor among the saints in jerusalem these were areas that because they were given the gospel, they said, no, it's only our duty and our joy that now we have a responsibility to give back, to help with those who had given us the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to encourage those churches that have been planted by missionaries to have a, a, a great mentality of gratitude. And now this is what we've been given. And now we don't want to We don't want to hold on to the missionaries forever. Now we have a responsibility. Africa has a responsibility. For centuries, it has been the West, especially the United States, that has been sending out missionaries by the hundreds of thousands. 
now that we've been given this, we have a responsibility. We have an accountability to now return. Now we need to be sending out missionaries. I think of the local church that is planted by a missionary. Somewhere along the line, they need to say, okay, that's enough. You've done the foundational work. We can handle it now. I see sometimes in missions, it's almost like they get a free pastor. And so that's the missionary. And he pastors them. And this is great. It's like he prepares the sermons and, and he's the free pastor. And we'll just keep him as long as we can. That's not the right mentality. It ought to be as soon as we can handle these three selves. Now the missionary can go on to another place. And now we need to do the work of the ministry in our own church and also need to do the work of missions and sending out people from our midst. And I think that's the only way that the Apostle Paul could have achieved um, point number seven, uh, which was his, well, rather the, the point where, which one was this? Uh, point number six, rather, which was the There's approach. There's a lot of A's. There's a lot of A's yeah, there. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> tough to keep. <laughs> I'll, take, I'll take the guilt for that one. <laughs> point number six, which was strategic church planting. If the churches had been accountable and taken on the duty of reaching people with the gospel. And so that's a, a good encouragement there. And then our final one. And our final point, even before we get to that, I mean, they, they didn't just say, yes, we can help. I mean, they said in verse 27, they used the term indebted. Like we, we owe them. We owe you something. We, we were given a tremendous gift. That is the gospel. And I like to tell our people, why, why, did, I, why did I go to Bukota and not Babangu, which would be a village, you know, an hour from here? Mercy grace that's all it was it was grace that god sent a missionary to your village why was i born in in america and i wasn't born in a buddhist muslim nation grace it's all grace so now when we look at that and we say i have a tremendous responsibility i don't want to be status quo i don't want to just do what everyone else has done I'm the one who's been given the five bags of silver. I'm the one who's been given the five talents. I'm standing on the shoulders of hundreds of years of, of Christianity and, and wealth and benefits and, and Bibles translated into my language. Now I'm accountable for that. I'm indebted now, in a sense, to do much more than those who came before me. And that really is a great impetus and motivation to missions. I feel that myself very much so. Final, let's just call it the appeal and missions. And as prayer, Paul finishes with prayer and he actually tells them specifically how to pray. Starting in verse 30, he says, what, what should you do? That's pray. Now I urge you brothers by our, our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the spirit to strive with me in your prayers to God for me. Verse 31, that I may be rescued from those who are disobedient in Judea. So I love this. And if you're not careful, you won't notice this right away. So he says, you need to be not just praying for me, but, but praying uh, continuously for me, striving in prayer. There's so many great ways to pray for missionaries. Second Thessalonians 3, 1 and 2 is a great way to pray for missionaries. Lift us up in prayer. The famous saying, uh, if you'll go down, we'll hold the ropes. That's the idea of praying. Paul ends it here. He says, pray for me. 
But how? Well, he gives two ways. And the first way is pray that we'd be rescued from those who are dis- disobedient in Judea. So in other words, we're, we're taking these trips and traveling and we want to be protected. And some people might even look at this and say, well, God didn't answer that prayer. Because we know the story of Paul, that later on he was arrested. He wants to go to Rome, but now he's arrested. And it may look as though God actually did not answer that prayer. And the amazing thing is God did answer that prayer, but not in the way that Paul expected. And it's the way it is for you and I. We pray for things and God answers those prayers, but often not in ways that we would expect. So let me just unpack that for us here. If we go back to Acts 21, we find that Paul is arrested. And so you might think, okay, this is it. He's arrested and his plans have been cut short. And obviously God had not answered that prayer. Well, then you move on a few chapters and you go to chapter 25. And what does Paul do? Paul appeals to Caesar. So now he's bound, he's he's incarcerated, he's put in prison, he's chained, and he gets on this ship. And where is he taken? We come to Acts 28 and it says that he arrived in Rome. Exactly where he wanted to go. He's writing right now to the Romans. And he says, pray for me that I would be able to arrive to you. I'm on my way to Spain, but I want to arrive to you in Rome. So pray that this happens. And so all the believers gather around and they pray for that. But it wasn't a straight line from A to B. It was in order to get to Z, he had to go through all these other stops. That's often the way it is. I think about my own ministry. You know, you have all these goals and you have all these plans and you have all these expectations and I'm going to do this. I remember even in the early days of our ministry, I would write out three-year plans and five-year plans. And, and I look back at those plans now and it's, it's partly sad and partly humorous because you had all these goals of what you wanted to do. And now you look back at the three-year plan that you wrote in 2008 and you think, well, I still haven't even accomplished that plan. But really what the Lord Jesus Christ is doing something in us. He's changing us and he is answering our prayers. He loves to answer our prayers, but it's, it's not always, and maybe we can even say rarely in exactly the way we would want it to be answered. Paul ends in just this beautiful story of prayer in his missionary manifesto. What a treat to Mfundisi. To our audience, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to rate it and subscribe to keep posted with more upcoming content. Feel free to share this episode with someone who might find it interesting and submit any questions you may want answered in a future podcast. You can email those questions to paulslayline at gmail.com. You can also visit betweentwocultures.com for other resources like this. I'm your host, Yamikani Katunga, and until next time, that's it for Missionary Minds.